This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, August 24th, and we're talking bat stocks. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by one of the Motley Fool's investing interns, Troy Springer. How's it going, Dylan? Troy, great to have you in here. Great to be here. So, you have spent the summer with our investing team. What have they had you work on? Uh, it's a lot of your, your free reign. I think that's like uh, one of the big advantages of working at the Motley Fool is that when you get hired here, they have a lot of trust in you, and you really can research whatever you want to research. Um, does your Does your boss know you're doing this episode? Is that Is that why you're? I honestly up don't here? even think my boss knows I'm doing this episode. So it's that free reign. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you made it through the gauntlet, and it is not easy to to get a job here as an investing intern or as an an investing analyst, um, what recommendation would you have for next year's class of applicants? Yeah, I would say just uh, engaging with the fool. If you're a college student, podcast listener, uh, maybe subscriber, get on the forums, play some caps. I know I put a lot of hours into caps, and that's almost where I feel like I got my job from. I know David Gardner is really big on caps. I mean, yeah. that's his baby, right? And he really pays attention to caps. So. Yeah. If it's you're a great out there way to listening, test out. <laughs> that that's the thing to key in on there. Uh, well, Troy, I'm having you on today because um, I wanted to get you on the show while you were here at HQ. We go back a little bit uh, back when you were in college. We were chatting back and forth, trying to f- figure something out for writing for the site. Awesome to have you at HQ now. Definitely. Um, you pitched this idea of talking about the bat stocks, yeah, and, and how this is a space that is worth discussing now. I totally agree. Uh, we have talked about the individual components of the bat stocks. Before, but we have never talked about them as a concept on the show. Right. You want to break that down for folks? Sure, I got you. So, bad is kind of like the Chinese equivalent um, to the Fang stocks, basically your big technology powerhouses in China. And what I think is especially attractive about the bad stocks right now is that relative to the Fang stocks, which has all had great years, like Amazon up 62%, Netflix 78%, a lot of the bad stocks this year have actually been flat or down 10 cent minus 11, Alibaba only up 2%. Um, and I think that that makes it pretty attractive right now. Um, to this could be a good time to start thinking about some Chinese stocks. And our third name in there, the B in Bat, is Baidu. Baidu. What's been going on with these companies? How come they have not enjoyed the soar that we've seen with the rest of tech stocks? Right. I mean, I think the Chinese economy or the Chinese stock market, I should say, um, has had a little bit of a rough year given a lot of political turmoil with the tariffs and everything like that. And usually, stocks they're generally correlated. So if like the market's down, generally every stock will be down. And market, whether it deserves to be down. Uh, my argument is that a lot of these technology companies aren't really exposed to the tariffs. Um, they, they rely on intellectual property, not necessarily steel or soybeans um, that Donald Trump is leveraging on. Um, so, to me, it's like I, I feel like uh, the sell-off is kind of a little bit unwarranted. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of these companies operate almost solely in China. Yes. Right? That, that's certainly the case for several of them. We're going to kind of do a company-by-company company breakdown here. Why don't we start out specifically uh, with Baidu? Yeah, so Baidu. Um, I'll do a little disclaimer here. So a lot of a lot of times uh, we like to make the Chinese equivalent of an American stock, which it's sometimes applicable, sometimes not completely applicable. Um, but with that said, Baidu is kind of considered the Google of China. Um, they're the number one uh, platform in online search. Um, they currently have had the weakest performance in the past three years, and actually are the cheapest of all the bat stocks. 
Um, and uh, what's interesting about a company like Baidu is that similar to Google, it's like you have an app and you search for something, and then they can kind of populate whatever you have with advertising or maybe sell you other services through that platform. And what's kind of hurt Baidu recently is in 2016, uh, the Chinese government came out and said, you can't advertise whatever you want, basically, because that's the, that's the, the problem with investing in Chinese stocks, is the government can dictate a lot of the terms. Um, and since then, they've kind of had a hit to uh, their profitability. And in fairness, this was in response to a lot of Things that you might not want to have advertised being advertised on a lot of the Chinese platforms, right? You had these uh, dubious or possibly even harmful um, healthcare services and treatments that I think led actually to some deaths um, in China. So, so it makes sense that regulators came in, right? But um, this is an instance where. Okay, the, the maybe the growth projections for this business got modified a little bit because right. of what the Chinese government was saying. Exactly, and it's definitely taken a hit to their um, to their valuation. Another interesting thing about uh, Baidu is I know a lot of uh, listeners are probably familiar with the Chinese video streaming service uh, iQIYI, sometimes called the <laughs> Netflix of China. Um, so. IGE is actually a spinoff um, from Baidu. They recently IPO'd that company to raise capital, um, but Baidu still owns 58% of, of IGE. And as I talked about before, a lot of people like to compare IGE to the Netflix of China, but there's a little bit more competition as, as Netflix is kind of the clear number one in the US. I like to point out that Tencent Video, a stock we'll talk about later, actually has 438 million subscribers compared to IGE's 434 million subscribers. Um, and Alibaba, our next stock, is also in the mix in the video streaming space. Yeah, I will say that I am guilty of making those comparisons. And actually, when we talked about IGE on the show, this must have been about a month and a half, two months ago, I did that exact thing. I, I described it as the Netflix of, of China. and. It's helpful to do that from a shorthand perspective, right. so someone can immediately understand the business. But to your point, yes, there there are a lot more competitors in that space that are the same size. You know, there's really no one that is operating at yeah. Netflix's scale in the United States. Yeah. And what's hard as American investors is it's hard for us to necessarily understand the intellectual property behind a lot of these things. So you don't necessarily want to make the comparison like, oh, this company has the best content, because a lot of times. You and me aren't watching that content. It's in Chinese, and I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> so I think it's more important to think about the competitive advantages and network effects, as we'll get into later with some of the other companies. Something else to note with Baidu, in the scheme of bat stocks, it is a small company. Yes, <laughs> compared to the other ones we're going right. to discuss, uh, I think a market cap around eighty billion. Yep. You look at some of the others. I mean, we're, we're talking mega cap. Four hundred eighty billion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we switch over to Alibaba? That is a roughly four hundred and fifty billion dollar company. Yep. So Alibaba, uh, you know, I said I don't like these comparisons, but a lot of times, <laughs> but you can't help, but you yourself, can't help right? it. Yeah, it's easy to explain. Uh, a lot of people call Alibaba either the Amazon or the eBay of China. I think the eBay of China fits a little bit better, um, given their business model. Where Alibaba is a little bit more of a connector of sellers. They 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 do the B to C, meaning they buy products and sell them to consumers, and they also do the C2C, which is like the eBay model where the consumer is selling to other consumers and they connect those consumers. So this is a business where they don't necessarily own a lot of the warehouses, but they have the infrastructure in place to connect all the e-commerce players. Um, so Alibaba is probably the most well-known. It's currently also the biggest. Um, 40% of Chinese uh, population uses Alibaba. Jack Ma, their founder, he's considered a visionary, one of the, the, the bigger leaders in China. But they also have expanded uh, their network to include uh, processing payments, of which 40% of all 
uh, online payments in China are processed through Alipay, which is a very lucrative um, business considering what companies like Tencent or what uh, PayPal and Square has done in the United States. Um, and they also have probably the biggest cloud computing business currently in China. So, and that is something that makes them very similar to Amazon, right? Yeah, like that makes that comparison a little bit stronger because. You know, if you spend any time looking at Amazon, you're like, okay, like the e-commerce reach is there, the prime subscriber base is great, but what powers that company is AWS. That's what gives them the profits to invest in all of these other things, and Alibaba has that. Right. Um, Another competitor to Alibaba that a lot of listeners are probably familiar with is JD.com, and JD.com is a little bit more similar to Amazon in the fact that JD.com is the asset-heavy business model compared to Alibaba's asset-light business model. And What that means is that JD has actually invested a lot in the infrastructure of delivering, meaning they can usually have faster delivery, but it also puts a big dent on their margins. JD only has like 4% operating margins, where I think Alibaba is in the 35 to 40% range, so it's a huge difference. Um, but they're both growing very, very fast. But if you were to compare this to the US market, in the end, it was the asset heavy business model of Amazon that won out. Whether that plays out in China, we'll see. So C2C gives them these gaudy margins for the time being. Yes. But it might be the better long term play to be a little asset heavy. Possibly. And JD.com also owns 17% by our next stock, Tencent. <laughs> Tencent. We're going to talk about that on the back half of the show. Uh, that will be our last bat, to- bat stock to cover. Um, and we will do a little discussion, uh, big picture, after that. Um, before we get over to that discussion, though, I want to thank Away for supporting our podcast. Away makes affordable, high-quality suitcases that charge your phone. Away has designed the perfect suitcase to make your travel experience stress-free. The carry-on bags feature two ports and a high-capacity battery that allow you to charge multiple devices on the go, so you never have to worry about having a dead phone or try to fight to find an outlet at the airport. Their bags are ultra-durable and lightweight, made with premium impact-resistant German polycarbonate. And even overpackers can fit everything they need. They have a patent-pending interior compression system that tightly buckles all of the bulky items in your suitcase. Best of all, their products come with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, Away will fix or replace it for life. And there's a risk-free 100-day trial period. If at any point you decide that it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. I have used an Away bag for my last few trips to Austin for South by Southwest. And I will tell you, having a place to charge your phone on the go is indispensable. Uh, it made listening to podcasts, watching a little bit of Netflix while I was killing time, so much easier. Away has a special offer for listeners of the show. For $20 off, go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. All right, Troy, we're going to hit the T now in Let's bat, and that is Tencent. Tencent. Tencent, full disclosure, is probably my favorite of the three, and I it's the only stock I own out of the three. Ten, Tencent is also the only stock of the three that I own, so we're there playing you. a home game here. There you go. <laughs> um, so Tencent, uh, there's less U.S. comparison here, because they're a little bit more diversified, but they own basically what's considered the Facebook of China through two different platforms. One is WeChat and one is QQ, with WeChat being a little bit of the stronger platform. What's interesting about these companies is they have about 1 billion users for WeChat over a population of 1.4 billion. So, almost every single person in China who's probably technology-enabled is using WeChat, which is just crazy to think about. it. And Facebook doesn't even have that reach in the United States. Um, but their Tencent is a huge and diversified business. They're actually their biggest 
driver of their business is actually their gaming. Um, which has recently caused them to to dive down a little bit in the past couple of weeks as Chinese regulators have stepped in and said, no, you actually can't make money from these games because they may not align with the interest of the government's <laughs> policies. Um, but it, th- this is something that's happened to, to China before, and I think the general trend is toward liberalizing, liberalizing the economy and liberalizing the different forms of uh, media that the Chinese government allows the Chinese people um, to consume. I think the biggest advantage of Tencent is their distribution platform, and kind of how the Apple or the, the Chinese economy works is that it works similar to how our iPhones work. You have apps, but instead of these apps being distributed through iTunes, they're really distributed through WeChat. <laughs> um, so basically, what I compare what Tencent has is they have an Apple-like distribution system through their WeChat app that basically everyone in China is connected to. So if their streaming service, their music service, video games. A lot of people play video games in China on their phone. Actually, the majority of people do, and it's all distributed through that one app. You know, I saw a Statista email today that was doing a breakdown of Chinese consumers, and they said. Ninety-eight percent of Chinese consumers are accessing the internet on mobile. Yeah, and and so that speaks to how people are accessing content and what they are doing with that access. Um, you mentioned mobile gaming, but they also have payments, ride hailing, pretty much anything, anything. you could roll into, yeah. <laughs> you know, or want to to be able to do. I right. mean, it is it is incredible the bundle of companies uh, on the American side that that seem to fit into what WeChat does. It's like a PayPal, Uber, Activision, Blizzard, yeah. hybrid. Um, that's kind of unlike anything we have here in the United States. It really is. It's. I think the United States would be a little bit uncomfortable with how powerful <laughs> this company is. But in China, uh, in a company that's very centralized, kind of communist, um, I think they're a little bit more comfortable um, with having these big... I mean, in the past, they've had these big state-run industrial companies that that have just been huge monopolies, and I think they're a little bit more comfortable with this in Tencent's case. Another thing I'd speak about Tencent is Tencent also owns a lot of popular American properties. They own 40% of uh, the company that makes um, Fortnite, Epic Games. Epic Games. They make 40. They own 40% of the company that makes PUBG, which is actually one of the games they weren't allowed to make money from, and they actually own uh, a, par- a stake in the company that makes League of Legends. So these are like three of the biggest games in the world right now, all owned by this Chinese company. And they also have stakes in Tesla and Snap. Um, Depending on depending how you on feel, how you about, feel about that, I was maybe say that's the same not a thing. selling point. Um, right. I know that I've spent a lot of time on the show bashing Snap, uh, <laughs> so you know take that with a grain of salt. Right. But they are clearly investing in a lot of different spaces, and I look at what they do, and it is very reminiscent of how Alphabet is handling capital allocation, right? Yeah. Where they are saying, okay, we have this property Google that is making a ton of money for us. We can spread some bets elsewhere, and if one of those really take off, then we have a huge business segment to grow into that will help us really meaningfully move our overall market cap. Exactly. They did something I think was really smart with Spotify earlier this year, where they basically made a equity partnership with Spotify, saying, we'll buy some of your company, and we'll give you some of our company, and we'll just share technology. 
you know, because Spotify as a European company doesn't have like the necessarily know how to penetrate the Chinese market. But but Tencent just says, cool, we'll 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 just share, and you can have some of our money, and you can have some of us, and then we'll we'll distribute our our platforms that way. Yeah, that that's a smart way to expand, Um, and they have the benefit of doing that being in China, where without a joint venture, you really can't do anything as an outside firm. Yep. Um, But for them to be able to essentially take trade secrets, you know, or or take what you know whatever institutional knowledge Spotify might have and be willing to share with them and then apply it to their own music streaming product or their own distribution network uh, is a really bright move on their part. Yep. Um, okay, so we've talked about three companies. We both own Tencent. So I think we might be a little <laughs> bit biased here, but I have to ask the question anyways. Yeah. Of the three, uh, which one are you most excited about right now? Uh, definitely Tencent. Yeah. I, I, I consider Tencent to be, I mean, recently after this drop, to be probably one of the best buying opportunities I've seen. Covering stocks. <laughs> um, I hope you're right. As, I, as someone that owns, I, I hope I'm right too. Yeah, um, but really, I think you can't go wrong um, buying a basket of of all these companies. I think uh, what you're getting right now is you're getting a little cheaper uh, multiples than you are in the United States at really faster growth rates. Um, and if you want to diversify away from the U.S. market and follow a market that has a lot of the network effects and big. Power of the Fang stocks, as you've seen in the U.S. I think even owning all three of these companies um, is probably a decent idea. Yeah, I think that's a good way to bet on China's future. Um, the interesting thing with these businesses, and, and something that I think is kind of worth keeping in mind when you're thinking about what your gains might look like, is buying some of these companies is a lot like buying an Alphabet, where they are at a certain scale where. It's a lot harder for them to double anytime soon. Right. That said, um, it is a lot different than buying an IGE, where yeah. you know y- you might get up some, 100 and down hundreds. <laughs> yeah, some some amazing returns, <laughs> right. but you also might wind up you know just throwing away your lunch basically exactly. with, with that stock. And so um, maybe curb your enthusiasm a little bit with the returns you'll be getting with some of these companies, specifically Tencent um, and Alibaba, just because they are already so large. But I think you could do a lot worse than buying all three of these and kind of setting and forgetting it. Yep. Um, Troy, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Of course. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Dylan. How much longer are you here? I'm here for like another two weeks. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll be able to squeeze you on one more time. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Troy Springer, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.